And welcome to episode 11 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we punch our tickets to a big journey through the Indie Developer Gaming Pavilion and steal some time for new Apple products. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm a little exhausted from these like two weeks of just constant games being released, uh, but it was, it was a good week. Yeah, they. Apple set this up to really give us a ton to play. And it's not, you know, it's stuff that's worthy of being highlighted. And that makes it really enjoyable to play. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's just tough because you're trying to play at least some of all of these games that are coming out at every single day. Where normally, I guess it's not all that different where we you normally have a Thursday where there's a ton of games coming out. But they're not always really good like the vast majority of these that apple released during this two-week promotion were really good games yeah and before we get too far into games because there's a lot that will be later in the show apple has some actual news and rather than hosting an event which kind of tells the story of the news they just simply threw out a press release to announce that there's a new ipad a new iphone red 7 new apple watch bands double the storage space on the iphone se and ipad mini and there's a new video editing app that's coming in april yeah i mean that's that's that was quite a summation (laughs) yes nothing happened with the ipad pros they kind of stayed the same I, the iPad Mini 4, I don't know who's actually going to be buying that because price-wise, it just does not make sense. When Now that you have the cheapest, really good quality 9.7-inch iPad that you can get, like a full-size iPad, for only $30 more for the same storage level, it just does not make sense to buy that iPad Mini 4. Really, it just needs to go away. And I, I don't know why they haven't dropped it yet, especially with the phones kind of eaten into that market. But otherwise, I mean, it was pretty much what we expected from a non, non-announcement. Yeah, so if you were waiting for that 10.5-inch iPad, you're likely going to wait until this time in 2018. Apple may squeak it in at the end of the year in like October, but it seems like they want to update the iPads in the springtime, and that's when both iPad Pros will likely be updated because it would be weird if Apple released a 10.5-inch iPad you know, with a bezel-less or almost bezel-less design and then you leave the 12.9 inch just in that old form factor it just wouldn't fit so i figure they're trying to do the same thing with both models to release them together and that 12.9 inch is proven tough to do so right i mean it really this was all about trying to improve ipad sales and the only way they can do that is to really reduce the price of that entry device and have a quality entry device that makes people actually want to buy it and that's what they did with this taking the iPad Air 2 and really bulking it up and dropping the price and making it attractive to someone who's just coming into the market or maybe they have an old iPad and this is just the thing to upgrade, that it's a good quality device. It'll last them several years, but you're not paying iPad Pro prices. Yeah, $329 is a pretty good price for a 9.7-inch iPad with an A9 chip. One thing to consider is that the iPad Air 2 and this new... So it's just called iPad. It's not called new iPad. This new line is just called (laughs) iPad. And it's actually the size of the iPad Air 1. So it increases the 
weight as well as the thickness of the device to include that A9 chip. And then the screen isn't laminated with the reflective coating of the iPad Pro. So it doesn't have that and then it doesn't support the Apple Pencils. But it is interesting to go for the 9.7 inch if you were interested in that size iPad. It goes from $329 up to $599 for a laminated coating on the screen and support for the Apple Pencil. And that's pretty much it. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's quite a jump in price for not that big of a distinction. Right, yeah, to go to for the difference between like the the Pro and that. Well, no, the Pro does have the A9X processor. Yeah, I don't know what don't the know point what the, of the X is anymore, it seems like. Yeah, I don't remember what the difference is at this point. I, we've seen so many of these now at this point. I know well, the, the X A9... used to be the quad core graphics, but once the A10 was able to support the uh, Plus, the iPhone Plus, I mean, that screen resolution isn't that far off the iPad. So that doesn't seem to be necessary anymore. Right, right. Yeah, so the E9 that you're getting in the iPad is basically the same that was in the six iPhone 6S. Right. So, I mean, it's not that far off. So uh, it's this should be a good device if you're someone just coming in. But And, and, and yeah, you if you did want like a new powerful iPad, you're going to have to wait. Yes, you'll have to wait till whenever we get those 10.5-inch screens. It's probably going to be if they can build the iPhone, you know, that magical iPhone 8 that's going to be super awesome and OLED and all that cool stuff that's going to be like 1000 <laughs> or 1200 bucks. That technology is going to be into the iPad the following spring. So yeah, they're going to do it on the iPhone first. Just imagine how going to be if that, like... Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> like, that, it's already pushing into laptop prices, so it, <laughs> they really can't do it. I don't know how they're going to sell the thing. It's like, going to have some $1,500 iPad. iPads. Yeah. I think this will actually help the iPad sales. A super expensive unit is not going to do that. Yeah, people on the fence, a 329 price actually makes you consider it i mean it's not like some 50 dollar kindle where they sell a six pack of them and you get them for like a discount at 180 <laughs> but <laughs> it is actually dropping in price yep and so that's pretty much the apple news it's pretty much worthy of a press release rather than a full-on event and so that means we can spend the rest of the show talking about games and like we talked about at the start Apple hosted an event, an indie game developer kind of highlighting portion from March 9th to the 20th. We've now completed that run. We talked about a few of the releases on our last episode. So now we're going to start with Bit City, which was last Monday when we recorded our last podcast. So now we're starting up for this next string of games for the week. And Bit City is the latest game from Nimblebit, the makers of Tiny Tower and Pocket Frogs and Tiny Trains and all those different games or pocket train, sorry, and Bit City kind of builds on that narrative. It creates more of a Sim City building idea rather than the tiny tower vertical idea, but they've turned it into more of a clicker, and to take it a step further, they reduce the clicker to an even more simplistic form. If clicker was just too complex for you, they've somehow baked it down into a simpler <laughs> form, so you just tap this one build button, as you have a build ability. So you have these little units available. And rather than like placing, you know, oh, I'm going to place the police station here and houses here. You just pick, is it service, residential, or business? And then you tap the little build icon 
and it upgrades it. Each upgrade introduces a new build, building. So you still have level one residential. It's like a trailer park. And each time it builds a new unit, it becomes a more deluxe house. But it's still a house. And you have no control over what house it's going to be beyond doing the level upgrades. And then when you tap that build button at the bottom, it can work on any of your units. You have no control what units it's going to do. So all you do is literally look at the screen, watch until a build ability is available after a quick little timer refresh, and then click it. And that's all that you do. Yeah, this one is so bad. Like, it, <laughs> I, I really liked Tiny Tower back in the day. I loved the Death Star version of it, which is now gone. And I love pocket trains. And at the time, I, I played so much of those games that I got completely burnt out on them. And I played I played them all the time, and then I just didn't want to even play that type of game. This doesn't even have the charm of those games. Like, there's none, none of that thing that drew you in that made you want to keep on playing. They've kind of stripped all that out and just made this really bland, tapping experience. And... It's for some reason in the App Store it has like a lot of great ratings. But the thing that's really telling to me is previously, whenever the Nimblebit games came out, I would see my Twitter screen fill up with people sharing screenshots of various things. And, oh, I made it up to this height. Oh, I did this. I have seen nothing about this game since its release. No one is talking about this game at all. As far at least on my Twitter stream, I don't see it. So to me, that means it can't possibly be as popular as the previous titles. And 10 minutes with it, and I knew exactly why. I was bored, to, and I, I thought I had actually deleted off my device, and I forgot that it was still on here. And it is just completely forgettable, and there's none of that charm or magic that the previous titles had, and I just I don't know what happened. Yeah, it's really sad because I used to look forward to Nimblebit titles and the previous ones in the simulation genre have done a really good job. And like you said, just making it compelling or enticing to keep coming back. This game, it's such a passive experience. Even a clicker game like Bitcoin Billionaire has more like kind of incentive to play than BitCity just because they've reduced what you do. They've even made clickers more boring because clicker you have like that incentive to furiously tap the screen or at least you know be more direct and concrete with your tapping this game takes that away so it's super passive where you're kind of glancing around and you might tap that build button <laughs> right yeah i mean you could put cars on and that's about all the action that goes on the screen and that little spinning windmill to generate stuff i mean other than that it is just i don't even the graphics they just look so like corporate or something. I, I don't really get it. It's just so bland. And yeah, a game I, like Sim Sim Town does a really good job in making the buildings really have a lot of personality. Like the burger stand, it's a big clown face. Or over the little characters walking around have funny names. Like you'll have one like this raven, and he's named Magpie. And you have like personality and stuff. And I thought that's what they were building. But instead, they just made this bland kind of... It looks like a SimCity clone. And then they've made it super simple and forgettable. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yep. So, so that's maybe Bit we City. just forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's plenty of time for actual worthwhile games. And one of them is Golf Zero, which kind of takes the idea of golf 
and combines it with like an action platformer and makes for a super challenging golfing experience. So imagine Super Stickman Golf, where you actually had to get your character and run and jump and avoid obstacles and get into position to actually reach the hole and shoot upon it. And then you have a bullet time effect where you can just leap into the air and your character can fall into certain death, but you can slow down time and hit a shot to try to land into the hole while you're falling. And that's pretty much yeah. Golf Zero. Yeah, just imagine you're watching like an action movie and the star is running up and he makes that leap to shoot the villain at the end. And he's leaping up and everything goes into slow motion and he fires off those bullets at the last possible second. And then you watch eagerly to see if they're going to hit the target or where they're going to go. Is it going to hit them? Is it going to miss? That's the feeling you get from playing this game. So you are that action hero jumping on all these platforms to get into the right spot and then you jump up and then you kick on that little bullet time and then quickly try to aim your shots and shoot out up to three golf balls and tr hope that they hit their mark and land in the hole. And then you pass that hole. And some of these levels are just so difficult that you're just praying that something goes in so you can move on to the next one because they are challenging beyond belief. I am stuck on one level right now, and I have no idea how to get myself in the right position in order to fire that ball and get it in. And then there's a red balloon by the hole or in a separate area, and you can go for a gold medal by firing one of your shots to pop the balloon and... There's some holes where it triggers where if you hit the balloon at the right trajectory, it can proceed to the hole. And so if you want, you know, just past levels, that's available. If that wasn't challenging enough, there's even a tougher <laughs> yeah, option right. available. <laughs> yeah, forget that stupid balloon. I, I, I don't even go for the balloon. And then if you really want a challenge, you can speed run it. You can yeah. try to do it as fast as possible. Like it's not hard enough as it is, just kind of slowly making your way over. Now you can try to do it even faster so that you can get an awesome time. Yeah, they give you the choice, though, and just the core mechanic. It's such a great idea, and it's implemented so well when you activate that bullet time. And, you know, it's going in slow motion, and you're just hoping and, like, putting body English on the ball as it's <laughs> proceeding slow motion to the hole. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can, like, you can let the the bullet time end out. As long as you don't fall to your death, you can then take more shots and try if you don't fire off all your golf balls. So uh, you can try a couple different things, but the only thing I found really annoying, and I, I know why they do it because they want you to pay, is the ads. Because you yeah. die so quickly and so often, the ads pop up so often in this thing. And I they almost got me to pay just because I was so sick of seeing these ads so quickly. Uh, but that's one thing that was a little annoying, but then again, I fully understand why it's there because that's the way they're going to drive people to do the in-app purchase to get rid of those ads. Yep, and that's Golf Zero. It's free, it's universal, and also Bit City was free and it's universal. And then there's the big journey. It comes from Armor Games, and it's a interesting kind of platformer built on familiar mechanics, kind of like Rolando in that way, where you have this little fat cat and it can essentially roll around because it's so fat that it's pretty much ball shape and you tilt your device you there's touch options but the tilt really is at the kind of design focus of the game and you just tilt to roll through these worlds you tap the screen to jump and this little cat wants to find these dumplings so you're rolling around the world trying to hop and collect dumplings jump on top of other enemies avoid 
different enemies and try to make it to the exit point with little tiny collectibles along the way. And it's just that classic kind of platformer progression, but into that ball rolling mechanic. Yeah, it immediately reminded me of of Rolando when I started playing it. Actually, when I saw just the the video pop yeah. up, the trailer for it, that's the first thing that crossed my mind. And I've been playing through it. The thing I like about it is it's approachable no matter what level of player you are. So I put this on my tender, uh, almost ten year old daughter's i uh, iPod Touch, and she was playing through it. She really enjoyed it, and then. I really enjoyed just kind of navigating it. But if you want that extra little challenge, they have this three star system. So you can try to complete these various goals that will end up taking you to different areas. Some are like you have to finish within a certain amount of time. Others, you have to find X number of objects. So there are these challenges there and you can make what you want of the game. So if you just want something that's casual and there's no lives, so you can die as like, doesn't really matter. You can keep going. You don't have problems there. But if you want to do the challenge of those three stars, you can make it a little more challenging and try to complete those, or you just kind of casually make your way through it and reach the end and move on. So it's nice that it addresses all different player types. Yeah, it really is. It's casual. I mean, no, it's not going to be like Golf Zero or something, but it's still, that doesn't mean it's like super easy or super passive. You have these various different stretches of baby, or not baby, but subtle puzzle puzzle elements. And then there's the classic kind of platform and jumping on enemy heads. And really it's just, they've nailed that tilting experience so well that you can roll the ball and creature exactly as you want. Yes, yes. Even on the iPad, I found that it actually worked pretty well, too. And normally I don't do tilt games on the iPad. I usually will pop those onto my iPhone because it's just more natural. But even the iPad, it it was very responsive with the the tilt controls. You definitely want to do it with the tilt controls. The the touch controls, I think they're there just to appeal to people that don't like tilt controls. But I think even if you don't like tilt controls, if you see how well these are implemented, you're going to enjoy it. Yep, and that's the big journey, a cute little cat <laughs> rolling around, and it's $1.99, it's universal, and then there's Ticket to Earth. Brett talked about it a couple weeks ago, and now it's available on the App Store, and this game combines Match 3 Connect idea with turn-based strategy. So you are given a grid, and the grid's laid out in different colors, and you can drag horizontally vertically or diagonally and you're going to drag a path to create as many pretty much tokens as you want every token that you go over adds one to your attack power and so you're going to try to maximize that attack powers to get into position for an enemy to then attack so you have that classic turn-based strategy setup but to build up your attack power and to get into position you have to use matching mechanics and it really marries the two ideas into a really complex gameplay mechanic. Yeah, it like normally I hate match three, but this one, because the way they use match three, it's more of a movement mechanic. And then it's also a resource management mechanic. So what you're doing is you're, you have on your turn, you have two actions you can take. You could attack twice, you could move and then attack, you could attack and then move, or you can just kind of, 
move around and then what by moving over these different colors not only are you charging up your attack power but you're also collecting these resources which charge up your you have these four special abilities and those you unlock as you go you can keep changing out which ones you have but depending on the color of the the squares you're walking over and you can only walk over squares of the same color so say there's only two of a certain color in front of you and you walk on one of them you're only going to be able to walk on two squares that that turn and so you charge up those various abilities and then you can trigger those. And those can be anything like a firebomb that you toss that can now kind of burn the enemies and that lasts over a couple turns. So now they're losing health each turn, or maybe you throw a, a lightning that instantly kills someone of 15 health. And so you have all these various tools at your, at your disposal that you can uh, trigger anytime that you want but you have to walk on certain squares in order to charge those up. So there's a lot of strategy of do I kind of this might not be exactly where I want to leave myself because now I'm open to attack, but this will charge up the the tool that I need on my next attack. So uh, it, there's it's, it makes for some interesting gameplay where y you really have to think about your moves and you completely disassociate the whole normal match three thing of like the boring mindless gameplay with this whole movement and resource mechanic that really makes you think about it rather than just do things mindlessly and i always like the connect match three format versus swap or other styles where you create that whole long connect path i can always kind yes, of picture yes, those in yeah. my head and you get yeah. bonuses if you pull off longer streaks. These little justice tokens come out if you pull out a streak of eight or more. So you have kind of that dual idea. Say you know that your yellow is your best power. So you want to try to get those yellow tiles. But then say you see something that's a path of eight. Maybe you want to do that instead and then get those justice tokens. Because once you get a ten, uh, 10 justice tokens, it kills all the enemies on screen. And so that's a valuable thing. But you can only extract three justice tokens in a given kind of scenario. So you have to focus on that. And then you have that kind of core, really well done idea. And it's fleshed out into this deluxe storyline where you have this huge map to explore and proceed through. And then there's cutscene like comic book style pages to progress the storyline to give you added incentive to keep on with that really well done gameplay. Yeah, and the nice thing is they switch things up too. So when you go into a certain level, you sometimes you'll have just a single character you're going to move around, and the characters some are melee, some are they have ranged abilities, and so sometimes you'll go into a level and you only have one. You maybe you get a choice of characters, you get to choose which one you want. Other levels, you're just given a certain character. Sometimes you're given multiple characters. So now you're going to have to move multiple characters, kind of make sure that one doesn't steal the resources from the other that you want that one to have, and then also avoid the enemies. But even within those levels, there's also different objectives. So sometimes you might have to kill X number of enemies, or sometimes you'll have to just survive X number of rounds. And then there's also these sub-objectives where by completing those during the normal objective, you unlock these special tokens, and those are what give you the ability to unlock new powers and swap out your powers for, for different powers. So there's all kinds of things that you can always be doing, and then eventually once you make it far enough in the story, it lets you 
you go back and replay levels you've already done to get to get those other sub objectives completed as well. So there's tons of gameplay in here. And this is just like the first episode of the game. It's going to be a four episode series uh, where there'll be additional follow on to continue the story. And then I'm sure they're going to keep on adding more content as far as like when these new episodes come out, there's probably going to be additional characters. There's probably going to be other abilities that they come up with. So uh, there's just so much here, even just within this first episode, to go back and replay levels and level up your characters and unlock new weapons. And there's just a lot going on. And turn-based strategy, it's not the most accessible genre, but they've really accomplished making it as accessible as possible with that familiar kind of match connect formula. So you can figure out how kind of to plan your moves out and figure out the basis of turn-based strategy with an accessible style you're familiar with. Right. And, and they also do a nice job of introducing you to the various enemy types because you're going to have to change your strategy around based on the enemies that you're fighting. So some of them will if they get too close, they can they'll blow up other ones. Uh, they have like ranged attacks where they can throw these firebombs out at you. So you start to learn of where you need to position yourself. And any time you can tap and hold on any of the characters and it tells you exactly what their health is. It gives you hints about how best to defeat them. So there's a lot in there to keep the player informed. So they're never questioning what do I need to do or why I need to do it because the whole narrative kind of drives that, that story forward of why you're fighting these things or why you need to take out certain characters. So uh, it's, it's a great blend of mechanics and they did for a six person team. I think this is, they did a, a fantastic job creating this really large scale game. Uh, and then to get featured by Apple as well, like right out of the gate. Uh, great job on them. Yep, and that's Ticket to Earth. It's $3.99. It's universal. And then there's Oxenfree, which is being ported over from consoles and PC. And this game tells a really interesting story. Like, first and foremost, this is just storytelling, regardless of gameplay or whatever. It's kind of like watching an interactive TV show. Right off the bat, it has those ties to a Telltale game, but it seems like the dialogue and storytelling is even a little bit sharper and more connected to the world that it creates so you have these teenagers it's like their senior year they're going to this island to party and stuff and they get there and this island it's not exactly like what they think you know previous classes have gone there and no big stuff happened well they encounter this cave and that just creates all these opens up these supernatural ideas so you spin this radio and the radio connects with these weird frequencies in the cave because of the way the cave's situated and that unleashes you pretty much on these weird just you encounter supernatural powers you have transportation or teleportation as well as um time anomalies and all these crazy things start to build up and create the world of this island that has this whole backstory and history and reason for why all these things are happening and why they're connecting to this particular band of teenagers. And with all of that stuff going on, you still have this like coming of age story that develops these five characters really well and how they're interacted. Like the main character, Alex, she has a new stepbrother because her parents married. And so there's the weird kind of 
connection between those two. And then they have Alex has her friends and he has other friends that aren't really, you know, connected to one another or know each other that well. So you have all these weird dynamics going on built upon or underlying these crazy things that happen. So you have the creating the story of the characters, how they don't interact, but then they're going to have to interact or deal with it as more troubling matters arise. Yeah, so I, I just started playing this uh, today, so I haven't I haven't gotten too far into it yet. But one of the things that really that I really liked about it is so that it's well voice acted. They have real voice actors doing all the dialogue, but they have this really neat system where you see these little tiny little word balloons pop out of the the characters' mouths as they're talking, and that's how you select Alex's responses to what's being said. So you'll see like a one little, one or two little word thing in that little word balloon, and that leads to a whole set of dialogue that she'll say. But you click on that, and you're cho- like in the Telltale games, the choices you make in that dialogue tree directly affect your relationships with these other characters. So if you're really sarcastic and and mean to certain someone then that's going to affect how they talk to you in the future so it's got that whole element of you kind of have to make these split quick decisions of how you're going to respond but then also you have to think about the ramifications of if i say this is are they going to be upset or how are they going to treat me so there's all that whole element to the game as well which i love in the telltale games even though i don't know exactly how much of an effect it's going to have in this game it's still it's still neat to know that that element is in in this game as well yeah i'm about halfway through the game and it's the kind of story where you can just lose track of time because you get fully invested into what's happening and you just want to proceed forward to see what other thing is around the bend and like you said with that chat bubble thing you you know it gives you a little hint of what it's going to be but then the actual connected story based on your choices you know that clarissa for example is going to respond differently based on your statement and then also the text it really mimics conversation where you might interrupt what somebody's saying or sometimes two people might be talking over each other you know it's like actual conversation where it's not like okay i said something now my thought is complete and now you speak it's actually like you might have a conversation with somebody and they've done that really well to just fully make you care about the characters, to want to play through the lengthy storyline that's included. And it's just one of the best storytelling experiences I've come across on iOS. And I think the description says there's at least five different endings. So those choices are going to matter as you go. Yeah, and it actually forces you to interrupt because what you see is those word balloons, they start to disappear. And so if you don't hit it quick enough then the the words won't you won't get to choose what you say so as soon as you hit it you start to interrupt who's ever talking at the time as they're responding so yeah it does feel like a realistic conversation especially between teenagers that aren't going to wait for someone to finish talking before they get out whatever they're going to say so yeah it it does a really nice job of creating like an actual like real world atmosphere to it and that's Oxen Free. It's three ninety nine. It's universal, and it's probably my favorite of the week. It's an experience that I want to fully complete and come back to. Because when we're playing all these different games, you're always proceeding to the next. This is one where I actually want to finish this game. It's a definite standout. Yep. And so next up is Pavilion Touch Edition, 
And this game takes on kind of an interesting twist because when it first starts up, it's like fourth person puzzle adventure. I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? And so as you play it, you actually figure out what that means. And you have a character who's kind of running around the world and you don't directly control them. Instead, you control the environment to push them and pull them in different directions to lead them through the path forward. And there's some really ornately designed levels. I mean, first of all, the game is absolutely gorgeous. And then it's because there's so many little intricacies and they actually tie into the given puzzle. And so, you know, right at the outset, you tap on these little light bulbs and those create, you know, it, it's either black, the guy won't go through it. So you tap the light bulbs, light bulbs, it's lit and now he'll walk through it. And then later on, you might have these big, squares or these big cubes that you have to drag out of the way to block the path so the guy will only run a certain area and then there's also these bells overarching the system and you have to tap on those to tell the guy run over here to this bell or run over here to that bell and you have to use all these different environmental cues to lead the guy through these relatively complex level layouts and overall world. Yeah, the one thing I should say is we've now just given you way more information than you're given when you sit down to play this game. You're given nothing. You're just kind of tossed right into it, and you have to figure out, wait a minute, how do I get this guy to move, or what do I need to do? So there's no tutorial, nothing. You're just kind of thrown in, and now you have to just kind of explore the environment almost like the main character is, and that's how you figure out how to get him to go where you want him to go to progress through and then to the next level and so it's a really interesting way of thinking like i don't I'm tr i was trying to rack my brain and think of another game where they use this kind of offhand like where you're not controlling the guy you're actually kind of influencing him by suggesting things and tapping in other locations to get him to do what you want him to do. And it just, it requires like a, a different thought mechanic and it just requires a lot of experimentation and exploration to figure out what you need to do. And I've really found that engaging and it's nice to have something that feels a really different as far as a puzzle game, because we, if you've listened to the show, you know we play a ton of these. So it's always nice when something new and something inventive comes up where it's totally different and completely different train of thought than what you've done in the past. Yeah, the only kind of similar games are platformers where you actually like rotate the world to move the character around. I can't think of a puzzle adventure that's so hands-off and... It's really kind of like the idea that you have a little guy on your iOS device and you have, you know, you direct control over his environment. It's It really replicates that idea, which, I mean, that is what you're doing. And they've actually put this kind of subtle storyline. As you're going, you'll go to different environments and those environments can call back to kind of why this guy is in this situation that, where you have to help him through these really crazy ornate lands that he's in yes yeah yeah i mean it, it, like i said the visuals are just it almost seems like escher like at times in the in the visuals of it and it's just i i don't know it just captivates you and and makes you interested in why is this guy here and you kind of you don't want him to get hurt you want to figure out how to get him through this thing get him out and uh you just really become invested in trying to help this little this little running around man 
Yep. And that's Pavilion Touch Edition. It's $3.99 and it's universal. And then there's Type Shift. It's the latest game from Zach Gage. He follows up Spell Tower. You know, he's made a bunch of non-word games since then, but now he's going back to that word game system with Type Shift. And it kind of takes Anagram Puzzle plus Crossword Puzzle and offers a relatively unique approach. You're given columns there's the number of columns based on how many letters there are so if you're spelling five letter words there's five columns six letter words and each column has a certain number of letters and you drag the letters to try to spell words so you know you have to drag the first and third and fifth column and now it creates a word like a void so it takes a lot of thinking about where all the letters are on the board and then there's two main game modes. There's one game mode where you just try to find kind of the key words. Because when you make a word, the tiles in the columns highlight in blue. So they start out as orange, they become blue when you actually make words. And you just try to make every tile blue. And so you can find additional words, but there's also key words to spell out each row of the columns. But then there's a crossword style where you're given a clue you know, whatever the clue might be, like what Louisiana Swampland is called. And so you have to figure out what the word could be. So you have that same dragging the columns around, but now you have a very focused clue to find. So you have those two different game modes with that neat new word mechanic. Yeah, in the in the mode where you're just trying to find words, if you can find those core words, you can nail those puzzles super fast. But if you don't, you kind of just slowly chip away at the puzzle and try to find words. Like you might be left with a couple of letters left you haven't used yet. So now you're frantically trying to find a word that you can form from these from these kind of rolling columns of of letters in order to highlight those last couple of letters you need. For me, the the crossword puzzles were like the best part of the game. Like I really like the other the other style puzzles, but the crossword ones were those ones I liked the most because the way those worked is you have that whole list of of clues and you can find them the things in any order. So when you find a word, then you start looking through your list of clues. Well, does anything fit that that clue? Or maybe you'll look at the clue and then try to find the word that you know would fit that clue. But the nice thing about those puzzles is as soon as you find a a say you find the solution to one of the one of the clues if there's a letter in that solution that doesn't appear in any of the clues you haven't solved yet it disappears so now you're you start to have less and less letters in each column that you have to deal with as you're trying to form the clues so it makes it easier and easier so if you have one clue that you have no idea about like it's the perfect system because if there's a clue that you can never possibly guess the answer for all you really have to do is whittle away at all the rest and then the only five letters or four letters you have left are is going to be the solution to that last clue so you just roll those into the the solution line tap the clue and you're done so it it almost has like a built-in help system because it's eliminating those letters that you don't have to worry about anymore and it allows you to to then maybe solve a clue that you couldn't get before because now you have less letters to deal with and it's it's just a brilliant idea of how to formulate these puzzles within this sliding letter column mechanic 
Yeah, you can use process of elimination. I do hate when I solve a word and it doesn't remove any letters, and it's like, no. Yes, <laughs> yes I know exactly what you're talking about. You're like, oh, no, I wanted to get rid of a letter. Yeah. That's the, but, yeah, definitely the crossword <laughs> mode is the highlight of the game. That doesn't mean the other mode's not good, but the crossword mode really is just a great way to spend time and just challenge yourself to come up with these different words from dragging these columns around. In the other mode, you can kind of stumble upon words, like you put some letters into place, and or say there's only one letter left for the fourth column. You know that you can drag around the other ones and you might find something just by quickly sliding them through. The crossword one is more focused. You have to come up with the right word. Right, and then you have to tap on the correct clue. Like you could... I guess you could put a word in there and then just tap down on every clue and hope it matches something. You could do it that way. But I've tried that. Really, I've also found words that aren't answers, and those yes. are really annoying. <laughs> yes, but and the way that the whole game is set up is all these puzzles are in little puzzle packs. So when you when you get the, when you download the app, you get. Uh, a certain puzzle pack. I think there's over a hundred puzzles. You get a few puzzle packs of various types, and I think there's over a hundred puzzles for free. Then you can purchase for like nine nine cents or a buck ninety nine these other puzzle packs, which some of them are like really hard words, some are medium length words, some are those crossword puzzle type words, and so you'll you can pick and choose which of those things you want. As soon as you purchase one of the puzzle packs, it, it removes the ads within the game and then also unlocks the ability to have different colored themes. So now you can change so you don't have orange and blue all the time. You can switch to a color theme, uh, color setup that you prefer, where I think mine is now like green and grays and stuff. So you can pick something that you you like once you do that, but all you have to do is purchase any of the puzzle puzzle packs, and you immediately remove all the ads and and get all of the stuff. The one thing that I was a little disappointed is it doesn't sync between uh, devices. It doesn't have like an iCloud sync, so there's a daily puzzle every day. So if I start the puzzle like on my iPad, I can't go and continue it on on the iPhone, or if I complete certain puzzles within like a puzzle pack those aren't already completed in the other on the other device so hopefully iCloud syncing will get added at some point but this one is it's it's a great inventive word game if you like word games yeah there's a lot of word games in the app store and a lot kind of adopt similar styles it's nice to see a brand new style that's done really well and allows you to kind of get a fresh take on a word game and that's Type Shift. It's free. It's universal. And then there's TriLogic. It comes from One Bun Sarl. They made Mr. Jump as well as a bunch of other minimalistic kind of puzzle games. So this is back to that puzzle style. And it kind of is like Kami as well as Paint Buckets and just that style where you try to color fill. But in this case, it's all about dragging paths. So you'll, it uses the elements. Like the main screen is blue. And then you'll have a little number next to the green tiles, which are like leaves, and you need to drag out two leaves. The leaves can be burned by the fire. So now you have orange and it says four. So you can go up two spots and then burn the two green spots. And now you have a blue left over of 
five and it can cover all the red tiles. So you kind of work in that way where you start with the green to build, drag them out and make sure as you do so it's connected to where the red could possibly be dragged because red can only drag over green squares and then blue can drag over red squares. So it has to be connected from the tile starting point and those are indicated of where the numbers are and there's a little directional arrow of where they can go to. So that's the first level pack and then as you go to the new level packs, it switches up the colors and changes kind of the mechanics of what can overlay on what. But it's built on that core idea where you try to turn multiple colors into one solid color in the proper order of operations. So the goal is to match whatever the background color is in yes. the end? Is that uh -huh. what it is? Okay, okay. Yeah, just like Kami does it. It just okay. uses a different yeah. kind of path. So it all comes down to that path drawing mechanic. You really have to think about the way you can draw out the squares. Because if you have a right, green right. tile, yeah, green number that's 10, you need to find room to create 10 dragged out pieces that still connect to where the red starting point is. So that way the red can then overlap on the green and then you'll finally need to overlap the blue on top of the red. Right, right. Okay. Yep, I gotcha. And that's Trilogic. It's $1.99 and it's universal. And it's just kind of a simple, minimalistic puzzle mechanic that builds upon itself as you complete level packs. Okay. And then to round out the week is Card Thief. It was the last game featured by Apple in this system. And it's a nice way to end. It's a follow-up to Card Crawl, but it gives you a different style. So the core single-player solitaire into kind of like this battle survival idea remains but instead of more you know battle deck head-to-head -head with the dealer this is more kind of survival adventure it kind of uses the connect idea of ticket to earth but now you have a thief and you need to drag him through the dungeon so the first or a castle whatever the case may be the first one yeah, is castle. a three yeah. by three kind of card layout and you can play, like, with Ticket to Earth, you start thinking of ways to make the longest path you possibly can. You don't necessarily have to do that in Card Thief. Your goal is to play through all of the cards in the deck and then reach the exit point. The cards can include guards as well as torches and treasure chests and thieves, or not thieves, the, the other the, guys on your yeah, side. Yeah, the pickpocket. Yeah, yeah. the pickpocket. Yeah. And so you have a stealth score that's shown in the upper left and you start out with 10. When you go past a guard, it might deplete two. If you go and extinguish the flame, that might also deplete two. And you need to make sure you have a stealth score that's higher than the guard score and definitely doesn't go negative. Or otherwise, you're going to get caught. So you have to drag your path to go to each of these different cards and make sure that your stealth score doesn't drop too low. And then you also have a bunch of different strategy mechanics built into the way the guards are looking or when you extinguish the flame or how many times you leave the treasure chest available. So there's all kinds of strategy built into the core idea, but I'm trying to boil it down as simple as possible into the actual card game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Card Crawl, the original game, that was my game of the year for 2015. And I have been looking forward to Card Thief ever since they announced they were working on this. And where Card Crawl was that dungeon crawler and you're, you're yeah, like you said, you're attacking, direct attack. This is a game that's all about stealth. And you're trying, you're a thief and you're trying to steal as much treasure you can 
and get out of this castle without getting uh, caught by the guards. So what you do is on your turn, you have that three by three grid. You are one of those cards. The thief is one of those cards. And you're trying to drag your path around there. And each time you go over a card, that gets removed uh, from, well, you set up your path and you say, this is the path I want to take. Then when you execute that path, then all those cards you went over get removed and new cards get dealt out. And then you're basically trying to get all the way to the end of the deck and then drag yourself to the exit and escape. Halfway through the deck, a chest will come out. And that chest, the longer you leave it on the board without picking it up, the uh, more it's going to be worth. The problem is, as it increases each turn by one, one point, that increases the amount of stealth you have to have in order to pick it up. So it say it starts out at one and it gets up to five. You need at least five stealth left in order to pick up that chest. Otherwise, you may be able to escape, but you're not carrying that chest out. You'll still have the the gold that you got, and you you're basically working on a high score basis. So you're the gold doesn't really do much for you. It just is for scoring. But the chest has these little tokens inside of it that you can then once you get enough of those you unlock these new equipment and when you go into a game you can decide which of the equipment you've purchased to bring into you and those can be extra helpful things so taking a step back first like the guards they you can if they have a cone of view that on them so they're looking at other cards on the board so if you would try to attack them from the front you're going to have problems if you attack them from the way they view you lose a stealth point doing it however if you go from behind them then you're not going to lose a stealth point and so it's all about maximizing your your gain in stealth points and minimizing how much you're going to lose the problem is the further away you get from where you start the higher it multiplies and the more dangerous the cards get. And there's a whole system of where like the guard can get alerted and then now he's going to gain even more uh, strength. And there's all these elements, but they do a nice job of through the tutorial kind of teaching all these, but it's definitely the type of game. This is much deeper than, than card crawl was where it's going to take a number of playthroughs for you really to grasp exactly what, is happening because it looks like it's crazy sauce and you have no idea what's going on. And all of a sudden, like you're going to be in negative stealth points and you don't know why it's happening. But if you take a step back and think about it, it, it all makes sense. And you through repeated play, it will make sense. And actually for me, the more I play this, the more I am actually liking it even more than card crawl, which I didn't think was going to be possible, but they've done it. And so it's just a really interesting because there's this whole one whole aspect of it I didn't mention yet is there's this whole light and shadow element to it. So as a thief, you really you crave the darkness because now you can hide from these guards better. And so whenever you see those torches, if you hit those torches, it'll flip cards. Any of the cards like touching that torch, when you turn it off, it'll flip it or if you. Uh, and so now the, the guards will be facing the opposite direction or now the, you can, like there's certain things you can't even use unless it's dark out. Like there's doorways you can hide in. There's this whole like tub where you can go, which will, if you hide in that, if you end your movement on that card, it'll end up refueling your entire stealth. So you'll be popped back up to 10. Also, if you can manage to touch every single card in a board, so when you're drawing that path, you can't cross over yourself. So 
you can go diagonal, but you can't cross over your own line. But if you manage to somehow touch every card in the on the board at that time, it will not only clear out all those cards, but your stealth will also go back to the original value of 10. So that's another way you can kind of manipulate things to always have stealth on hand if you're able to do it. So there's a ton of strategy that you start to learn as you play, but it's a really deep and interesting game with tons of replayability because of the randomness of how the cards are dealt out. And then just as you start to unlock that equipment and also upgrade the equipment to make it better, then you'll start to have other tools you can kind of put in your arsenal and there'll be your little means to get out of sticky situations and maybe like help yourself to get further. And then just the fact that you have to complete these certain goals in order to upgrade your equipment, it gives you other things to kind of strategize towards to complete. Like maybe you need more than 10 stealth at the end, or you need to be more than negative three at the end. So now you're going to press your luck and hope that you don't end up next to a guard with zero or less health so that you can kind of make it out and still have uh, and reach this extra goal to upgrade your equipment. So there's a ton of things to like think about and emergent strategies as you start to play and unlock new tools. And it's just a really deep and fun game. And I, I this one is a definite must-have. I'm saying if you like solitaire games, this should be on every person's device. And it is so well done that I'm just really surprised at how good this is. Yeah, you have to think about every move that you make. But even though there's so many different layers of strategy to kind of, it's like onion, you're just peeling back layers, it's still accessible. It's still made for anyone to kind of pick up and become familiar with Card Thief. And then there's that whole kind of risk-reward idea with the treasure chest, like you said. And one time, I let it go too far, and I couldn't make it <laughs> to the exit based on where the treasure chest was and handle that it's eight stealth points that it cost me. And so I had to just end the game <laughs> yeah. without it. But those tokens, or the treasure chest is going to have the tokens, and those tokens are going to be tied into... There's new locations on the map, which that gives you also added incentive to play for, too. Right. Yeah. I think I'm just about to unlock a, a second location, but yeah. 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 So, and the nice thing about those is they're cumulative. So say the, so the first piece of equipment costs seven, the next piece of equipment costs, I think 12, but you don't have to get a whole 12 more to do it. It actually just keeps on adding them up, which I was afraid I was going to start from scratch after I chose to unlock the, the, the first piece of equipment. So it looked like they just kind of carry over and you just need to reach a total amount of a certain level to unlock that next one. So that was good. I think 15 unlocks the, the first, the second location. And then it, if you look in the equipment list, then there's other things you start to collect. I think there's other type, once you go to these other locations, there's other type of enemies that start showing up that kind of switch things up yet again. And so the, and it, I should say this has that same beautiful artwork that the card crawl had as well. It's the same artists that do the art in this. So if you really like the art in that, it's this kind of rich illustrations and black and white and uh, really well done. Yep, and that's Card Thief. It's $1.99 and it's universal and that's a whole bunch of games for you to potentially play and try out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and if you didn't get your fill... Asmodee has a huge sale going on for all of their digital board games. So 
for a buck ninety nine or two ninety nine each, you can get tons of great digital board games. So if these new titles weren't good enough for you, go get some great digital board games. And I think that's everything for episode 11 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. Brett, thanks for joining me. Oh, yeah. It's a pleasure as always. To everyone listening, check out Oxenfree and Card Thief. Oxenfree is my pick, and I'm guessing Card Thief is Brett's pick. Oh, yeah. Card Thief is definitely mine. Yep. And we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.